0: the show where reformed christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview i'm bruce johnson joined of course by my brother jacob johnson hello everybody and we are also joined by the campus preacher Daryl, Daryl, yeah, thank you so so much for joining us. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You we you know being in Moscow has its perks. Yeah, that, it, <laughs> yeah and, and it's a small town. We're always
1: going to bump into somebody. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so I think awesome. you've been here two yeah.
0: two times in the past couple months. Yep. And so yep. yeah, both times at church. Yeah, it's it. been great. Yeah. yeah, bumped into each other at King's Cross, and we were like, hey, we were looking for something to do for our discussion topic. Come, you want to come in? Want to so, come in? So yeah. So here we go. Um, Yeah, so today is going to be a really, really cool episode. Today, we are talking about what we really fought for. And, uh, you know, uh, Keith Darrell does a lot of uh, campus preaching, a lot of like that confrontation stuff. (laughs) Really good, I'm sure, at those sorts of confrontations that can get really tight. And, um, you know, Jake and I were talking, one of the things that comes up so frequently is when we say America has a Christian Christian founding, mm-hmm. because you know, we've read history books. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we know a thing or two about the country <laughs> that we're in and we live in, uh, everyone gets all up and all. Well, how can you say that? Oh, this is, there's no way this this you know, the country had a Christian founding and this is a, a secular country and we just we just want a freedom. So obviously it gets tight, it gets yeah. tense. And I'm sure that you've had a lot of experience talking to people who have had a lot of those same sorts of things. So today we wanted to dispel those notions and we figured, hey, what better way to do that than someone who deals with a lot of aggravation okay. on a daily basis. Yep. So <laughs> Sounds but good. Before we get into all that though, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And anytime we have a... Uh, as- We call them theologically learned people. (laughs) Anytime we have them on the show, we we always like to have them break down our verse for us. So I'll pass it over to you uh, to to do that. All right.
1: So, yeah, we're looking at Romans uh, chapter three or chapter six, uh, verses 22 through 23. And it says this. uh, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so and I actually this actually ties in well with our whole topic of freedom and everything else. Like, what does it mean to be free? And one of the things I think Paul is uh, doing here that's kind of important for us to grasp is, Everything in the New Testament is basically being built out of the Old Testament. And so um, kind of from creation and then kind of their central aspect of everything that's going on in the Old Testament is run through the Exodus. And so the that whole narrative. So what I believe Paul's doing here in Romans chapter six is he's basically saying that your life in Adam was akin to Israel's life under Pharaoh hmm. in Egypt. So there were slaves down in Egypt um, and then in their baptism, which would have been like an Exodus in their baptism, in their access, they've been set free from the law of sin and death. And so when the Israelites came up out of Egypt, they were free from Pharaoh and his dominion, his rule, his power, and they're transferring their allegiances from under Pharaoh's dominion to Yahweh's dominion. Mm. And so that's why the Ten Commandments begin, I'm the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and then they become Yahweh's servant in Yahweh's house. And so what Paul is doing here is he's basically saying that you Christians who are now baptized in the Christ, you've been removed from Adam— and now you're placed in the Christ. And so just as the Israelites were tempted to go back to Egypt, we're often tempted to go back to our life in Adam. And yep. so what he's encouraged them to do is, but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. And so if you know who Bob Dylan is, he says, you got to serve somebody. So <laughs> yeah. you're either you're, you're, yeah. there's everybody somewhere is going to serve something. And so you're either going to yeah. be a servant of sin and death um, or you're going to be a servant of God and this is going to tie into our topic well, of freedom as well.
2: And I think in that uh, that same song Oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut you. No go ahead. (laughs) ahead. No go ahead. ahead. (laughs) Yeah. In that in that same song that you were just talking about, he literally says in that song, um, you will either serve the Lord or you'll serve the devil. You know, Mm -hmm. it will either be the Lord or the devil, but you gotta serve somebody. you know? Yeah. So. And,
1: and yeah, that's, that's what, that's what, that's really what it is. And so it's never an issue of slavery per se or service per se, but what is it that you're serving? And what Paul is laying out here, you're either going to serve uh, Christ and be slaves to God. And the fruit of that leads to sanctification like progressive growth and holiness. And that leads to eternal life, or you're going to serve sin and the wages of sin, the payment of sin. So sin's a harsh taskmaster and he will pay you. You know what yeah. I mean? He's, he's yeah. faithful in that sense and <laughs> he will pay you, but what he's yeah. going to pay you with, is death, but what God uh, gives you, uh, it's not a wage that we earn, but what God gives us through the gift uh, is everlasting life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, mm-hmm. everybody who's in Christ, uh, you're basically have been set free from the law of sin and death. So, you get to uh, serve Him, bear fruit of righteousness, or you're going to be bear fruit of uh, you know, or you can bear fruit of the flesh, which will lead to death. So, uh, yeah, those are my basic thoughts is just think through that your salvation is akin to the Exodus That Mm -hmm. in your baptism, you came up out of Egypt. Now you're in Christ and you're tempted to go back to Egypt and there's nothing wrong with you when you're tempted to go back to Egypt. Uh, But think of the prodigal son, if the prodigal son returns home and the father rejoices and celebrates him, he goes, you know what? I want to go back out. How (laughs) foolish, how foolish of a move would that be? And Mm -hmm. our temptation with sin and sin is stupid. and will make you stupid is, Oh, I want to go back to Egypt. So, Hmm. um, yeah, sometimes life's easier in that form of slavery. So
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's really interesting. And, and in a second, I want to pass it over to Jake just to kind of introduce and flesh this out just a little bit more. But I think one of the things that's really cool that ties into the into this verse so well is that you know we're all good post millennialists <laughs> here, right? Uh, where is this going? Independence Day post millennialism? What the heck, right? <laughs> but over the years, uh, it's been fascinating to see. You know, Christ is conquering all of his enemies, setting his faithful free. From All of his enemies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know the last enemy is death, but there's a lot of enemies up until we get to death. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, there was uh, uh, slavery to all sorts of different things. That's where like liberal, um, the good kind of liberal education came from where you're freeing your mind from darkness because you're learning new things and you're expanding that and you're becoming an educated person, a freed person, right? That idea. Then there was music. M- music was improved. So you're, now you're freed from just rudimentary music. Now you can, there's all this complex, crazy stuff, right? Medieval Christianity, Christendom, all of this. And then we get to the period of American history where now we're freed from oppression of tyranny. But we have to think about all of these different, places, all these different periods in time when freedom became a thing, <laughs> when when Christ conquered that enemy, mm-hmm. what was it for, right? Why was liberal education a freedom that was unlocked? Why was there more wisdom in that way? Things, more things we can study more widely available to everyone so that they could be freed in that way. It was so that they could then be slaves to Christ, to take that knowledge, to take that wisdom and apply it to scripture. And so, mm-hmm. Um Jake, I can I can give it to you if you want to talk about like how that compares to civil government, um, especially during during that era, if you had any thoughts on that.
2: Um not many uh in that in that regard, but um so if we're gonna start going into the topic, I do I, I I did uh what I brought up on Monday, uh where um the Founding Fathers, right, had a view of Freedom that was right, and this is sort of where we want to take this discussion is talking about what was the point of independence, right what was the point of this war, this fight that we fought and um and that if we look at today, right the Republican party or at least their mantra what they say is that they're they're fighting for freedom or everybody says right. that they're fighting for freedom, they want freedom, they yeah, want liberty that, yeah. they want yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the the interesting thing is that they're fighting for this ideal of freedom. They're fighting for freedom, whereas the founding fathers fought for freedom to become slaves to God, right? Yeah. that that wasn't it's, the, it's end, goal, the end goal, the end
0: goal freedom.
2: right, right. So moving to the to the topic that Bo and I wanted to get to, um, we're in a sense talking about this debate that's going over whether or not this founding of America was a Christian founding. So to get some, before we get into specific questions, give some brief thoughts. Um, Keith, do you have any, um, some things that you might want to say on the topic of the Christian founding that might be pertinent to a debate or at least in an informal debate with another person?
1: yeah I think the first for me the first thing we need to think through is um that what they were kind of going for We're almost like a union of states, so think of thirteen separate sovereign states that were in union with one another so nowadays, when we think of the united states we 're almost like just one nation, one nation right. under god we're mm-hmm. just one state essentially so we you know we don 't really have a category for states' rights um, We throw that word around, but nobody really thinks too much that 's why every election what we end up having is some sort of pushback on. Uh, the Electoral College, and Mm -hmm. uh, they they show us a map of California where, like, all all the votes coming in from uh, LA Mm -hmm. and uh, New York, and basically, like, they want us to be this monolithic whole. And (laughs) so at this point in our history, we've kind of moved away from the idea that someone's genuinely a Virginian or someone's Mm -hmm. uh, a man of New York or North Carolina and stuff like that. So I I think in very broad categories, even uh, what's going on contextually with uh, the the founders of this nation uh, pushing back was we were a separate sovereign state. States, and when they're coming together for the deck or not the Declaration of Independence, but the Constitution, and they're saying Congress shall make no law. And so because what's happening in Maryland, what's happening in Massachusetts, what's happening in South Carolina is somewhat of a separate sovereign thing. And they don't want the federal government telling us, here's your religious enterprise. Here's yeah. here's the religion like Catholicism is going to rule and reign. Anglicanism is going to rule and reign. Mm-hmm. But even like in Massachusetts, you, I, I think it was like till 1870 or something like that, you had to be a professing Christian, a member of a church to be the governor and uh, South yeah. Carolina similarly. Yeah. So all these states, they, they basically had like a religious, not exemption clause, but basically like a religious clause in order to be governor, in order to serve,
0: uh, you have to be a Christian. So do you think that, is that a good idea? I'm sorry, not to be your train of thought, but is that, is that something that the civil government should be doing, imposing, is that something that is biblical and something we should be looking towards? Hey, maybe sometime in our future, we should be looking to reinitiate some of those sorts of things. Uh, Yeah, I would say absolutely. And I think that's even what you see in Europe prior to uh, the rise of
1: America and, and, you know, and the Enlightenment kind of, you know, Enlightenment definition of every uh, freedom, so many things were thrown off at that point. But I even think that's largely what's going on in the history of at least the Western church is uh, what happens as the church comes in. It kind of permeates everything. And obviously you're influencing kings and rulers and powers and principalities. And yeah. that's very much what the King of David's going to do. And right. so uh, he does it. And so, yeah, the hard part that we have, even as Americans, um, you know, most of us are so American at this point. What I mean by that is not necessarily immersed in. Uh, you know, the founding documents and what the founding fathers believed or anything like that. But we're Americans in a sense of like, most of us have grown up with the cliche of separation church and state. Most yeah. of us have grown up with these ideas that we're a secular mm-hmm. state and blah, 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 or we ought to be, even if we're not, we ought to be a secular <laughs> nation. Um, and most of us kind of have that. And, and there is like a, a certain, you know, we don't want the state baptizing. Um, right. And, and there are certain things that are good separations. Yeah, Hyperion
0: uh, idea of spheres. Yeah. You have yeah, different yeah. spheres.
1: And so, yeah, so, so I don't want the state, uh, baptizing people. I don't want the state administering the Lord's Supper. Yeah. So what do I want the state doing? Uh, within that, I'm willing to give another person, uh, a Christian, a lot of leeway on what that looks like. Right. Um, but I think we do, yeah, we want kings and rulers to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord.
0: Amen. So it's yeah. pretty basic. I mean,
1: it's really nothing. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the idea that's at all radical or extreme is just like, yeah, Jesus is Lord. And I very much think that's what's mm. going on in the first century. Like when Paul's going on saying Jesus is Lord, it's direct confrontation with Caesar's Lord. Who's Lord mm. here? You're going to serve yeah, somebody. They're yeah. serving Caesar. They're right. coming along and saying serve Jesus. You're serving sin and death. Now serve Jesus. So, there is no
0: other name under heaven by which men may be saved. was a direct
1: quote from Caesar yeah. that
0: Christ took and said, nope, that's mm. me.
2: <laughs> yeah. And in
1: our context, what we want to push back on is democracy does not bring salvation. Mm. Um, because your average American, like think of us going in the Middle East, democracy. Right. Really, democracy is going to save. So now we're at a place where what is salvation is democracy, and we as Christians we do need to put ourselves direct confrontation to that, e- even if we have democratic elements. And so, that, but but the idea that democracy, this abstract political system as right. long as everybody has a vote, um, <laughs> somehow that's salvation. We as Christians want to push back on right. that, and we and then from there we will be. You know, persecuted by Caesar or by democracy, who are saying, "How dare you say that Jesus is Lord, not democracy?" And that is maybe one of the places I want to push back on. uh, At least something that's permeated our ideas is "We the People," um, Mm -hmm. whereas you know the God's covenant with "I'm the Lord your God, to brought you out of Egypt." And so uh, there are there are strands of things in our founding that, like once they. There are kind of seeds that once they become the full fruition in the context of Christians, we're like, oh, yeah, we the people. But when you take secular man latches onto that, right. it gets right. permeated Apart out and radically God. different things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that takes us full circle back to this conversation where Jake was trying to drive us, which is the founding fathers. Uh, Jake, who was it that originally said um, this? This is a government that is suitable for no other populace than immoral and religious people like. Oh, um,
2: is it Jefferson.
0: I think it was, Ad, was Adams. I, I was Yeah, it Adam was Adams. Yeah, James Adams. Yeah. 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 And and so yeah. that's and that's the idea of a republic, mm-hmm. right? We have a framework, a set of laws that we then have democracy within, but you can't break out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that right here is what we really fought for. Let's go back to the topic. We fought for having a uh, framework of liberty and not a framework of freedom, mm-hmm. right? Not so that we can just be free to commit every sin possible, to commit every atrocity and abomination known to man, but instead so that we could be free to be slaves then to Christ, mm-hmm. which is what they understood originally when it was founded. Yeah. And kind of something you guys mentioned early on is, you know, like who's, who gets to
1: define what freedom, is? you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. definition of the average secular man today is radically different than they would have assumed right. you know, 250 years ago. Right. And that's the sort of thing that even as Christians, as we interact with people, uh, we have to recover, uh, basically, as we interact with people, uh, f- what what freedom means. And yeah, freedom is not the ability to just to do whatever in the world you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, freedom is the ability, you know, without the state intervening, to serve God with a clear conscience and love your neighbor. And so, the you know, taking a fish out of water doesn't give him freedom. And so, taking <laughs> us out of uh, God and His law does not give us freedom. It gives us literally gives us death. And right. and that's what we're seeing in our mm-hmm. culture. Um, that's what we've been, you know, and. Kind of, kind of hard. Like, where you want to pinpoint an American where it started to lapse? Because there are certain things that were good, like say the Civil War. There are good things from it, but at the same time, that radically reorganized people's understanding of the Constitution and federal yeah. government and authority and all sorts of jazz. So, you know, wh- when these seeds began to get planted, and yeah. now we're now we're reaping what they sowed. You know, when exactly that happened, uh, I'm not totally sure. Uh, I, yeah. you know, I, there are a co- couple things in my head that bounce around, but yeah, yeah,
0: there, yeah. Was, there was a lot there. All Jake on- was talking about that mobile museum. Um, Bring that up again. Glenn you were Beck. talking about that on Monday. But, yeah, the
2: Glenbeck Museum. Yeah, so Glenn Beck is doing this uh, mobile museum, uh, and he was showing kind of the museum goes through, in a sense, like this corridor, where he shows on one side um, the the Christian founding of America, how how that that um, God's word was permeated through all of America at, at its very core in the beginning. But he also showed on the other side how evil was going on even while this was happening. How evil, and, and it started out very, very small. Um, uh, he, he, the very first exhibit on the side of evil was a, uh, a vampire hunting kit. Uh, and sure. this idea that, you know, this mystical vampires and all this type of stuff was real and that, you know, it, in a sense, it doesn't seem, it's so small that it doesn't seem evil, but it's still, there's still evil a little bit in it and that this was going on and it leads to something bigger. Um, and so, um, but yeah, that's, that's what that mobile museum was. And I thought that was really cool, but that was, uh, Glenn Beck who, who's been doing that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And like, it, it's interesting. Um, we were listening. Um, Kate and I were listening to uh, Man Rampant last mm-hmm. night. Latest episode that came out was Zachary Garris, which was really cool. Oh, okay. And they were talking about Zach, like, Did
1: Zachary come to town?
0: I, I think he did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, he's pretty, a good dude. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And you know, they were talking about the um, you know Dabney Robert Louis Dabney and uh, all the things that he was talking about in history. You know, like he was there mm-hmm. when it was happening. So he was warning people about the government schools. He was warning them about what well, feminism at the day, like early stage, for like women's rights, but like the really dark side of what that actually was pushing for. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the women's rights movement was pushed, was like propelled forward by extremists, people who were pushing for not just women to have equal rights as men, mm-hmm. but to be men. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and all of that started to sow the seeds of... You know, because we lost that biblical worldview of what a woman and a man are and what marriage looks like and how they work together, Mm -hmm. what that actually looks like, how there's headship. We lost that. And so we started to get this idea of like, oh, well, then what, women and men are the same thing. Yeah. And it's just like, we should just, you know, women should be men and men can be women. And then where do you think transgenderism came from?
1: You know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a, I'd say that's exactly the sort of thing that we do need to fight for and think through more thoroughly is like, yeah, what does it mean to be a man? Like, obviously, even in our culture right now, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Because even like a little bit, but I'd, you know, if I could throw the feminists a bone two hundred years ago or one hundred fifty <laughs> years ago, because um, what you kind of have was the Enlightenment come along yeah. and they and throw they wanted to throw off God and yeah. uh, instead of God, we're going to have yeah. reason kind right. of govern everything. And so we don't really need God; we're just going to be governed by reason. And they come along and say, "Oh, well, men are reasonable, women are unreasonable, and they're nice <laughs> to look at and they're dainty and all that sort of stuff." And you right. throw that in with the Industrial Revolution, yeah. and you yeah. got to turn women inward and into the home, and then you, you know, put them on a little dress, and they kind of become these dinky little things. Mm-hmm. Whereas like prior to that, you know, they're going down the river, washing clothes, they're ha- yeah, they having to do a lot yeah. of things. And uh, prior to it, so I think you had a convergence of ideas of the uh, enlightenment, the rise of um, uh, basically the industrial revolution. And it did kind of like, you know, yeah. What, what is a woman now? You know what I mean? And then, then you sort of get the philosophical aspect. So uh, we totally need to fight to recover. Like, what do the yeah, what do these ideas mean? Um, and how do we yeah, how do we recover this? And then from there, because that really gives a woman freedom and it really gives men freedom um, and, and functioning and at, you know, as we're called and what we're made to be and, and, you know, kind of side philosophical note, because I've been spending a lot of time studying existentialism recently just because I wonder I'm, why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to go through, uh, I started reading some Judith Butler and uh, there's another woman, Gail Rubens, who's like a queer theory. So I started studying queer theory stuff so I can wow. kind of get into their stuff and yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully lay out more thoroughly some of their ideas, but it's kind of rooted in strands of existentialism where man comes into the reality with no nature. Hmm. Um, and so you th- think of a fish out of water, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, for the existentialist man's almost like that fish. So you can take him out of water and he can live just as well over here as he can here. Um, whereas, so humans have no nature, men and women have no nature. So (laughs) it's just a social construction and we can behave any way we want. Um, and, but what, what, and so as Christians, there is some sense, which obviously there's a certain sense in which, uh, we do get to choose, identities, behaviors, actions. So, you know, as Christians, we could agree that a husband is to be faithful to his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what, but men can commit adultery. You know? So, so right. we do have a certain level of freedom in the sense of autonomy of the will that can act certain ways. Um, and what we as Christians need to do is how do we converge a, a thoroughgoing idea of what, what's the image of God in a man and a woman and what is their proper function? Yeah. Um, cause all, and then all these things are end up being intertwined even with aspects of, uh, you know, the nature of the civil government in society yeah. is either completely socially constructed, um, which is kind of where we are today, or what the founding fathers would have done. We're endowed by a certain and rights, and there's a limit on what the government can do, even just from the nature of what man is and stuff like that. Whereas now that man's you know almost has no nature... You know, basically, the state becomes the potter and we're the clay, and they yeah. can sculpt us into exactly. whatever it wants to be. So there's a lot of things that we do need to recover, and it's one of those things as uh, as, as you start to study these things, you're like, man, I've been so stupid, I've been so ignorant, <laughs> and, and it is, and it's hard. Like, how do I get back to understanding the scriptures and being immersed yeah. in scripture yeah. where I'm being shaped by worship of God, His yeah. Word, and then from there, you do become more free. Um, and, and so, yeah, something that we, I think, do need to dis- rediscover. So. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. You
2: got so, anything you want to add, um, Jake? Or- oh, yeah, so yeah. something that uh, we discussed on Monday, or at least I was talking about on Monday, is that, the, and, and this goes along lines of, of the LGBTQ current uh, situation that we have in our day, current day and age, but um, that the devil, right, wants us to have freedom. Right. Wants us to have a sense of freedom, wants us to have total and complete freedom. Uh uh Steve Dace's uh movie, The Nefarious, uh, the the demon was kind of saying that there the uh the devil's manifesto, his sort of like his Bible, his anti Bible that he wanted to write, um, was kind of telling man that he was a god in and of himself and he could do whatever he wanted. And and that's and that's sort of the freedom that the devil wants you to have, this freedom of, uh, because he knows when you have freedom, right, us as human in our human nature, being totally depraved, we will immediately choose um, death and destruction. We will immediately choose sin. We will immediately choose what is wrong. And so that that the, um, and actually going back to what we were starting with, looking at how, how is the war for independence different than that type of freedom how how do we differentiate the this independence and this wanting for freedom differing from the freedom that the devil wants to give us
1: yeah yeah and and then obviously i have a little bit of debate whether or not the american revolution was conservative or a liberal revolution so like yeah obviously Mm -hmm. the french revolution about a decade later which would be much more of a secular satanic revolution where they literally had a Mm -hmm. goddess reason being brought to Notre Dame and all that sort of jazz. Right, right. So was, uh, whereas what the founding fathers were at least in some part looking to do was here's your role. Here's what you're supposed to do. And they're seeking to use even their own history of, um, you know, here's a backdrop of what the role of the civil magistrates is. And here's yes. why actually you're the ones usurping yeah. your ordained role. And so what, what we would want to argue is that uh, the founding fathers were actually, it was a conservative revolution in the sense that they were trying to restore uh, or keep the traditional Western yes. concepts of government and the Western governments were overstepping their bounds.
0: Well, and what was really cool about, about the, that is, you know, like biblically, it's really hard to defend revolution mm-hmm. as a biblical idea. Like, Oh, Christians should be revolutionaries. Uh, no. Yeah. But like we should be in the business of culture building and nation discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was really cool. Like what they did, which is why I'm partial to the term war for independence because mm-hmm. like they did it, in my mind, they did it the right way. Gary DeMar goes through this in uh, Volume 1 of God and Government, and he goes through the history of what they did, um, and the way they did it. The first thing they did was, let's go to Deuteronomy. What does the Bible say that civil government should, What are the, what's the responsibility of civil government? What should it look like to structure a civil government according to the Bible? So they looked at Romans 13, they looked at Deuteronomy, they looked at all these different passages and found, oh, so it's the justice division of society, mm-hmm. and not much else. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like, oh, Okay cool. So now what do we do? Because clearly what we have is a king. Mm-hmm. And that's not what God, we, we already have a king. His name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. We don't need, there's no king but Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And so now, ah, so now we have to do something differently. How do we do this? So they structured their own, they all got together. They had these groups, these meetings, Continental Congress. They had, they went through the steps. They wrote a document, they created a, a government uh, system. And then they said, all right, we are unified. We are our own country. Now we declare independence. And so it was done so much differently than the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. They were just like, oh, we're, we're <laughs> down with the aristocracy. You know, like, just let them eat cake. You know, like, it was just like, it was just chaos. Mm-hmm. There was no structure. There was no order. There was no let's look at what the creator of the universe says mm-hmm. and follow him. Yeah. It was whatever.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> it, it, it was a legitimate revolution. So yeah, it was, yeah. A, uh, it was a legitimate flipping over the, like trying to flip the right, board. And right. so like if a revolution is the total overturning, yeah, we were trying to keep in a strain with, uh, traditional society and what the West has done. Yeah. Whereas the French revolution was, uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. kind of, yeah, basically trying to give Strings us a new creation. With blood. Yeah. But yeah. they're trying to give us a new creation through that chaos. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, Gary DeMarth, uh, uh, North has a good book. Hmm. Uh, regeneration through chaos or salvation through oh, chaos yeah. it's on Marx, really but to look kind up, of, yeah look kind of that, that concept that salvation comes through but it, all these things are intertwined because like um freedom you know the communist has a definition of freedom the capitalist has a definition of freedom the the christian the muslim so everybody's going to use the term freedom everybody's going to use the term peace everyone's going to use the term justice and and the question was you know how are we stuffing those words yeah um, and we all believe in salvation like even you know the what's going on now. Like they're trying to bring about a new society, a new creation and all right, but how do you do that? And so it's yeah. either with true content from God or it's going to be uh, fundamentally lies. And, mm. and ultimately even uh, America or whatever it is, it, you know, things we know and it's kind of Christian cliche, but truth sets us free. So what, what's the thing that ultimately America needs? Where's real freedom found? It's in the truth. Mm. And uh, as Christians, it, it is, it's us pressing that truth Um, into every nook and cranny of our being and not only that but into our cultures as well and that's when our culture will again have freedom but yeah as of right now like we don't have freedom and you can see it on people's faces. You can see it in their haircuts. You can see it on their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is like, we're, we're almost like the early apostles going back to the pagan Roman empire. And like, yeah, how do you set these people free from God? I think they are serving, uh, they are serving the devil. (laughs) They really, they really are. And they're under the the rulers and powers and principalities of other gods. And, um, and the way forward is, is ultimately the gospel. So that's, that's the simplicity of announcing the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And kind of like that in Romans chapter six of uh, individuals, Uh, and then also with a corporate
0: identity, but going through that new exodus, uh, the way of salvation Mm. is, is baptism in the gospel. So, and if I can just add one final thought, um, what's really fascinating is we I think we overestimate the strength and tenacity and ability they have to do what they're doing.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, I, 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 we give them too much credit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So much of what they're allowed to do right now is because we aren't stepping into the fray and holding the line. Mm-hmm. We aren't saying, no, you're not doing this. Because if we did bring the shield of Christ, if we really did bring full armor of God to bear, it would be over mm-hmm. in, in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the latest, uh, I've just read this, our, our research team sent this article into our chat. And uh, <laughs> so with all the, the the hearings and everything, the court decisions that happened last week, was it Oxford or one of Harvard, Yale, one of the top universities are recommending that their students get therapy to deal with the, the court decision. It
2: was uh, a really? Boston yeah. university. What? Yeah. What's that? Boston university.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah Boston. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Like that's where they're at. Yeah. That is where the, they, they, they can't deal with a, a court decision without yeah. therapy and like breaking down. <laughs>
1: yeah. And kind of like in studying existentialism, SART says hell is other people. So mm. the idea that other people can infringe upon your absolute autonomy to Sartre is just the hell. And that's where we are. And that's why so many people can't function because, God's made us in a world where like, one, it's not good for man to be alone. So hell is not other people. It's not good for man to be alone. So he makes them other people and he's made us to be in a world with other people. And obviously in the world of abuses and all that sort of stuff, hell can become other people. But just that reality that everybody needs counseling immediately. And even when I'm on <laughs> campus, seriously, I'm on campus, They set up trigger signs. You know what I mean? Like, and they'll give you, they'll give, they'll give students like 50 yards warning, wow. like warning, dangerous speech ahead. Oh that goodness. could be blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, and have you, real, real quick, have you guys come across a book, uh, The Coddling of the American Mind? No. Okay. Is um, that uh, Jonathan Haidt. Okay. Um, I think he's at New York University, to my knowledge, kind of wow. a liberal uh, Democrat. Okay. Uh, but he basically lays through how people have been coddled, and now they actually huh. can't cope with the world. So yeah. uh, your average 18-year-old now is actually functioning as a 15-year-old a few <laughs> years ago, like wow. two generations ago. And, and his cutoff line is roughly 2013 is, is kind of when he – uh, Sees basically the the strong demarcation and like wow. people who are being interviewed saying 2011 it wasn't as bad but post 2013 and yeah. so yeah now we're in a place where everybody needs therapy for the the slightest thing sets people off and yeah. and instead mm-hmm. of sitting back and be like what what have we done uh, <laughs> we, we somehow think it, the problem is still society and but right. you know one more slide tangent but like everybody thinks there's guilt somewhere. You know what I mean? So when we come along as Christians, say you're guilty, everyone's like, how dare you say that? Well, you're saying all society is guilty. You know what I mean? You, you now need counseling, you now need help, you know, because society has now wronged you and society has, or can, but, but within that, just, you know, hopefully just as, as you guys, like your listeners, it's like the idea of the gospel is, is just kind of this inescapable reality. And like, there's guilt somewhere, there's salvation somewhere, there's freedom somewhere. And what you as a Christian want to learn to do is, identify real and false guilt and press down in like, okay, why are these people structuring guilt around this? And yeah. what from there, what's their atonement? What's their salvation? Yep. And then from there you go to them with the truth. And then from there you can be like, I can set these people free. So you have a whole generation of people that needs psych- psychological, uh, whatever <laughs> therapy because yeah. of a Supreme court ruling. Like no Christian I know has ever needed uh, <laughs> counseling because they might be bummed. They might be mad, mm-hmm. but they don't in turn, like it's not like the whole world collapses around them, right. but these peoples are. And so, how can we and like even just out of love for them? You're like, what is the sparing place for them to live? Yeah. And so our hope is go to them and be like, you know, there's there's a better way to live Amen. than than, than what you have, and then from yeah. there we can have, you know, real freedom and all that. So, yep,
0: absolutely, yeah. that's great. Well, we are at time, but Jake, you have any thirty second thoughts you want to throw in real quick before we wrap up?
2: Nope, nope. Oh, <laughs> that was your chance to monologue for five minutes. <laughs> all, right, all right, I did that enough on Monday.
0: That's fair. Yeah, you got the whole half hour on Monday. So, all right. You're all monologued out. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much yeah, for Yeah, thank us. you for having really me. appreciate yeah, it. Great. This was great. And uh, yeah, we hope you and the audience um, uh, got a lot out of this conversation. Um, if you have questions, you have things you want to share with us, uh, leave them in the comments below. Check out our website, which is trdshow.net. All of our episodes are there for free. Also, send us an email, trdshow at protml.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And until then, we will see you all on Monday. Have a great rest of your weekend. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.